It's one o'clock and time for the services from the Calvary Baptist Church of Gainesville. Now, Pastor Raymond Laddie. Turn with me today to Amos chapter 8. We're going to look at something that I hadn't thought of in a long time, the cornucopia. Anybody have a cornucopia in your house, on your table this time of year? Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of gone out of style, I think, in some ways. It seems like when I was a kid, I noticed those more. There were more of them around. But it's the proverbial, you know, wicker basket shaped like a horn with the plastic fruit, plastic vegetables in it. And it's put out around Thanksgiving, fall time, harvest time, when it's time to gather in the crops. More, more, more remembered probably when things were a little more agrarian or farming was a little more prevalent in people's lives. But it's a great time. It's a great time of celebration. A cornucopia comes from the Latin word cornu, which is uh, horn, and copia, which is plenty. So these are also known as a horn of plenty. You can go do a study on horns in the Bible, and you'll always see it to represent strength. You'll always see it to represent uh, victory. You'll see it to represent abundance as well. So we're going to look today at uh, already what a cornucopia is, but also a collapse of a cornucopia and what that means. So if you'll go with me to Amos chapter 8, here's old Amos, one of my favorite prophets, the small little minor prophet from Tekoa, not Tekoa in Stevens County, but Tekoa in Israel. I read a little article about some of the warfare going on in that area or during the time of the invasion of Hamas. Uh, Tekoa is still there. So Amos was kind of a country man. He lived out in a more rural area even in 787 B.C., according to my Bible, which was a long time ago, and he was a keeper of an orchard. He went out and trimmed orchard and, you know, was, a, was no doubt a, uh, owned flocks, as so many people did in those days. It was a symbol of wealth. But God called him down to Judah, to Jerusalem, to deliver some messages to the people. And it's not unlike the day in which we live. So Amos began to write down what God had showed him, what God had uh, revealed to him. He began to write them down. And Amos only ministered about 20 years. So he was a minor prophet, but his words are major for us today. So in, in chapter 8, we see him receive a vision from God of a basket of summer fruit. A basket of summer fruit. He would have known what that meant to an extent. It's the cornucopia by all intensive purposes. It's a basket full of the harvest. It is the, the zenith, if you will, of the ripeness and the availability of blessings and uh, it, summarizing this fruit. So verse 1, he says, Thus hath the Lord God showed unto me, and behold, a basket of summer fruit. If you go out and pick a basket full of summer fruit or vegetables, and you've got a you've got a short period of time, don't you? You either got to can it, you got to cut it up and freeze it, you got to go through the process because if you let it sit around very long, it's going to, in a matter of hours almost, depending on the climate, it's going to begin to rot. It's going to begin to collapse. It's going to be able. Uh, it's going to begin to break. Down. So that's what God is showing Amos through this basket of summer fruit. He's showing him a nation and where a nation is at. 
in this case, the nation of Israel. And he said, Amos, what do you see? And he said, I see a basket of summer fruit. Then said the Lord unto me, The end is come upon my people Israel. I will not again pass by them any more. So you will say, wait a minute, this, this should mean a time of blessing and abundance. And well, that's what is signified here. But what God is showing Amos is it, the time has come that there's going to be a judgment upon the nation of Israel. Mainly because they have forgotten me. They have become prideful and arrogance in their abundance, arrogant in their abundance, and they have become corrupted. They have become crooked. So he says, I see this. The time has come. The peak has been reached of blessing. Now I'm going to start pulling that back. The fruit in the basket, the summer fruit, will begin to break down. He says, I will not pass by them anymore. God has made up his mind. He's made up his mind for judgment. And in verse 3, he said, And the songs of the temple therefore shall be howlings in that day, saith the Lord God. There shall be many dead bodies in every place. They shall cast them forth with silence. So we go from a, a picture of a beautiful harvest scene, a basket of fruit. We could call it a cornucopia, a biblical cornucopia, if you will, almost instantly to terrible scenes to times of God turning away and, and, and turning Israel over to its own devices. So in verse 4, he makes this case. You know, God is always just. He's just not going to throw, throw folks into judgment without warning them, without laying out the case as any good witness, lawyer, or individual would in a courtroom. He's going to lay it all out because he's fair and he's just. If somebody brings accusations against you, that's a serious thing. So, you know, the truth needs to come out. There has to be testimony. There has to be a, a, uh, a very uh, trust, trustworthy, uh, you know, establishing of those reasons of that case. So here's, say, here's God's making his case against Israel. In verse 4, he says, Hear this, O ye that swallow up the needy, even to make poor the poor of the land to fail saying, when will the new moon be gone that we may sell corn? He's talking about the festivals where the law said, you know, you don't buy or sell during this time. It was from God. So they were like, yeah, we'll go to church. We'll, we'll go, we'll go uh, you know, deal with the festival. We'll go through the motions, but we want to get that behind us so we can go out here and make a lot of money. So we can go out here and, and take advantage of people. So we can go out here and and be corrupt and, and even steal from people. God took all of these details to heart, and he's laying them out here. He's saying, I know your heart. He's saying, you're taking advantage of the poor of the land. You're causing them to even fail as they struggle. He's saying, you don't even care what, what the festivals are anymore, the, the worship festivals, the time to worship God, the t a time to be thankful, a time to bring the first fruits. You, keep, you uh, quit doing that. You want to get it all over with so you can go back to your life and your life of plenty and become rich and become very prosperous dishonestly. 
is what he's saying. Not only have you dishonored me, but in that dishonoring of me, you've become dishonest and you've, you've become a, uh, a predator, so to speak, of those who maybe don't know any better, those that are trusting you, those that are looking to you for their well-being to an extent you're taking advantage of them. He goes on to say in verse 5, when is the time come that we can set forth wheat, making the ephah small and the shekel great, and falsifying the balances by deceit? Falsifying the balances by deceit. It's a rigging of the scales. It's a rigging of the scales is what that is. I'm going to sell you less for a whole lot more that I'll re in return. That's what you call inflation, not necessarily by economic issues, but by the, the, the evil of people in powerful places. And that's part of what we're seeing today. Amen. That's part of what we're seeing today. I'm here to tell you, the vast majority of people in high places could care less, could care less about the widower or the widow who's on Social Security that has to almost choose between medicine and food. They don't care as long as they can line their pockets. And that's the world that we live in today. Don't you know that infuriates God? To see poor children taken advantage of in a nation that is so-called thankful in words only. Their deeds don't back it up, but thankful in words only that they would take advantage of young people, take advantage of the elderly, take advantage of those that try to work and be honest and have accurate scales and balances in their life. Don't you think that infuriates God? You better believe it does. And that infuriates me. That's what God, God is saying. I've seen all this. I've got it written down. I have a ledger set up for you spiritually, Israel. Verse 6, he goes on to say that we, might, we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of shoes, yea, and sell the refuse of the wheat. They were sweeping up the gleanings, not the good seed that could be made into flour. They were sweeping up the, in, uh, the mill room floor or at the threshing uh, area or whatever. They were sweeping up the, the little husk on the wheat. They were, they were uh, sweeping up the chaff, 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 chaff. They were sweeping that up. They were sweeping up the dust and the sand that was tracked in and using that to add to their weight on their scales. And the boy, that makes God mad. That's what happens today. That's what we've been dealing with the insurance. I'm not going to tell you who my insurance company is, but we've been dealing with insurance because of Nathan's minor accident. All that matters is he's okay and the other person was okay. But these people will take advantage of you. You better pay your premium on time, but you kind of have to pull teeth. Uh, to get them to do their part, but I've got a I've got an ace in the hole, or should I say, a sister-in-law in the in the hole, who knows more about that stuff and understands it and has a little bit more of a bulldog persona than I do. So we're getting somewhere, but that's the world that we live in today. The, the, the these these evil men in high places that could care less about God, that hate God. Let's be honest, they hate God. They hate the people that would be, in their opinion silly and simple enough to have faith, we're going to take advantage of them. That's the world that we live in today, and it's infuriating. But there's good news, and we'll get to that in just a minute. Moving on, 
the Lord has sworn in verse 7, by the excellency of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. He's saying, what you do that is corrupt, what you do that is deceiving, what you do that is dishonest, if you're owing money and you're not paying it back, if, if you're doing all these things, if you refuse to work, I'm keeping a note of all those things and it will be returned unto you. You reap what you sow. Now there's always the opportunity to do better and to become honest and to want to honor God by the way that we do business and honor God by the way that we treat people. Moving on, he's saying, I, I, I'll never forget any of the works. He swore that to Jacob. Verse 8, and he says, if this be the case, shall not the land tremble for this? He's talking about judgment on crops. He'll talk about judgment here on political things. He's talking about a lot of judgment on a nation. And he goes on to say, shall not the land tremble for this, and every one mourn that dwelleth therein? And it shall rise up holy as a flood, and it shall be cast out and drowned as by the flood of Egypt. Graphic tough language here. And it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. You know there was an eclipse about this time in the book of Amos on the historical time scale. And they'll get your attention. You remember the eclipse, when was it, back in 16 or 17? You remember that eclipse in the middle of the day? It was in August. And it hadn't happened since 1918 at this point, you know, over 100 years. And I was amazed because I went over to an old house place to watch it. I happened to have the time to do that, that had seen the eclipse in 1918. The house is still standing. And I remember seeing it go over. You had to be very careful. I didn't have the right, you know, you don't want to fry your eyeballs, so to speak. But I remember it got dark enough that the, the, the katydids, the, the evening insects, began to sing. And this was like in the early part of the afternoon. So it was an eclipse. It was a, a, it got your attention. You know, everybody stopped and watched it if they could. So God is saying, I will react, and I'll do so through the cosmos. I'll do so in other ways. And verse 9, or verse 10, I will turn your feasts into mourning. And all your songs into lamentation, and I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins, and baldness upon every head. This is what they did when they were in mourning, when they were ashamed, when they, uh, you know, were dealing with sin. They would shave their heads and cut their beards, and they would wear sackcloth and ashes, and and it was a, a sign of mourning, of, of deep distress. Verse eleven, he or verse ten, the rest of it. He says, "I'll make it as the lost." like the loss of an only son, and the end thereof as a bitter day. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. A famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of the hearing of the words of the Lord. Now that, I have looked at this kind of wrong in a way over the years until I read and studied and prayed over this a famine of the hearing of the words of the Lord. I, I thought that would be, you know, the, the crackdown of the government on preaching and on biblical things. And to an extent it is, it didn't say that there wouldn't be preaching. There wouldn't be gospel preaching, biblical preaching. There wouldn't be 
the sharing of the good news that there wouldn't be the warnings of judgment, but it's the hearing of it. The hearing of it. Maybe the spirit's been dampened to the point that people don't want to hear it anymore. That God has kind of turned them over and closed up their ears. Or people just decide, I ain't listening to that mess anymore. That's the vast majority of people. I'm not going to listen to that. It's ridiculous. God owes me. I'm, I, am, I'm, I deserve this. The good things. I'm not going to listen to any of this stuff. Maybe that's what we're seeing today. We're definitely living in a famine where people will no longer hear, much less heed, the words of God. Amen. And you can say, well, the preachers are no good. This, that, and the other. That's exactly the problem is the excuses. We no longer listen and live it out. We no longer repent and come to the altar. We no longer mourn and weep over the state of things. It's just kind of like, well, that's the way it is. That famine is here. That cornucopia is collapsing if it hasn't already collapsed in many places. Moving on down. Verse 12, And they shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord and not find it. And that day shall the fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. They that even swear by the sin of Samaria, they say, Thy God, O Dan, liveth. And the manner of Beersheba liveth. Even they shall fall and never rise up again. God is talking about the judgment that is beginning to befall Israel. And he's revealing that through Amos. Because what the people had done, God had blessed them. You know, a cornucopia is a sign of blessing, isn't it? And we put it out as a sign of blessing. It's, it's a decoration. But I think for most of us as Christians, we are expressing thankfulness that God has given us these things. Let me tell you, all the good things that we have from food to our homes to our heat to, to our health, they all come from God in his mercy and grace. And we have forgotten that. So when we do that, the cornucopia begins to collapse. The horn of plenty can be pulled back and God can say, okay, and we'll say, okay. If you refuse to pay me homage, if you refuse to have faith and to worship me in spirit and in truth, then I'll show you the other extreme. I'll show you that your blessings come from me. And that the worst thing that you can do is to ignore me, disobey me, not to listen. And that's where we're at today. I'm here to tell you, in America, I'm not talking about necessarily Christians here, but I'll get to that in a moment. In America, we want our cornucopias full of good things, don't we? We want, I, I do. I mean, I want to I do well in life. I've been blessed. I've been blessed a whole lot more than I deserve because I've done some stupid things. All right? I've quit jobs and done, done several stupid things. Not all of them were bad uh, terminations, let me put it that way. But America wants the cornucopia full. They want to be strong, and they want to be strong financially, and they want, and want it to be loaded up with all the good things, the, the attention and the wealth and the prestige, but they don't give a hang about the things of God. They've filled it up with the things of the world 
instead of making God the horn of their salvation and realizing that these things are from Him. That these blessings are from Him. That God doesn't care whether or not you come from the greatest nation in the world. God wants you to be a part of His nation, the kingdom of God. He wants you to be a citizen and put your, your faith and trust and, and citizenship and hopes there. And then you'll understand how blessed you are to live on this earth as long as you do and to have these opportunities and to be able to overcome the, the negative things and the dark things by being thankful for all the good things. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I've come to give life eternal, but not just eternal life, abundant life while you're on earth, paraphrase included. He wants us to live abundantly, and people say that means money. That means a house in Royal Lakes. That means a Tesla, even though you don't have anywhere to plug it in. That means it's not what it means. It can be, but the vast majority of the time it isn't. It's being at Calvary or a good little Bible-believing church with people that you love. It's getting to hold a new baby. It's remembering that as those memories of Thanksgiving passed with loved ones that we don't have with us anymore, that there'll be a Thanksgiving future in Jesus. That's what that means. That means that we can laugh with each other, we can celebrate with each other, we can cry with each other, knowing that our Savior is the true horn. Knowing that we have hope in Jesus and nobody can diminish that hope. No power cosmically, politically, physically, you name it, can overthrow him. He sits on the throne today in glory. He is alive and he saves. And he wants us to live our best life. Not our best life, but the best life that we can live is the life that he has marked out for us. Amen. For such a time as this. Amen. That's blessings. That's the cornucopia I want. That's the horn of plenty that I want. And even if I do miss a few meals, which I need to, and even if things get tougher, and they most likely will, and even if there are darker days ahead, he is still the horn of my salvation. I want to share that verse with you out of Psalms. Psalms 18. And then we're going to wrap it up here in just a little bit. I know there's a lot going on. Go with me to Psalms 18 too. I want, I, want, I want to express to you that David, what David wrote so many years ago when he was thankful. And it was not just coming from an outward, uh, you know, uh, virtue signaling thing. It was the outpouring of his heart from what he had been through and how God had delivered him. A Psalm of David, verse 2. Let's just read verse 1. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. Now, strength's found in that horn. Amen? God is the horn. For the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. The key to the most fulfilling thanksgiving is to make God all of those things in your life. Acknowledge that those things are, He is those things in your life in faith, and you'll have the best Thanksgiving you've ever had.
because things will come into focus and will perspective will become clear. Past wrongs can be done away with and forgiven and you can go forward and say, now I see the big picture. I see the big picture. And then I want to finish up with Luke chapter 1, verse 69. And this is what I want you to remember. This is what I want, to, I want you to take from this sermon today. Here's old Zechariah. And he's marveling at what was happening, what was being fulfilled. After many hundreds of years, many thousands of years, things were falling into place, namely a baby. Not only one baby, the most important baby here was the child Christ, but also the one that would pave the way for him, the child John the Baptist. So in 169, he says, God has raised up a horn of salvation for us. These were oppressed people. They were under Roman occupation. They were taxed to oblivion. They struggled. They had all the, the, the heartaches and hardships that we have in a much greater and more difficult way. But here's a man who saw things through the eyes of faith, and he says, God has finally provided a horn of salvation. Jesus was right on schedule. Jesus was coming. God, in his infinite wisdom and mercy, didn't want to be separated from you. Sin comes, mars our perspective, makes us grumpy and unthankful, and it is easy sometimes in our human condition to, to, to look on the dark side of things, but I want to call you to God's mercy today. I want to call you to this horn of salvation that is still available. The, the oil that is often poured out of the horn, the Spirit is in a rich supply, and He'll anoint you, and He'll save you. He'll give you a new lease on life, He'll help you through these dark times that we live in. He's promised it, and he's never gone back on a promise. Just as he's just in judgment, he's just in blessing. He's just in forgiving you and saving you through your faith in his son, Jesus. The horn of salvation, the key. Going into Thanksgiving 2023 and in the Thanksgivings to come. We only God only knows the timeline of these things, but the key is to fill your horn up with salvation by accepting Jesus. Not the things of the world, not fruit that will rot, but the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of heaven, the, the opportunities that God gives us to be here and to serve and to learn the, the, the things that we take for granted. He'll bless us with those things if we will accept Him and trust Him. There may be a collapse going on around us in the halls of America. But if you're in Jesus, there's a boom in the kingdom. There's a growth. The stone kingdom comes and crushes all others. And his, our king is Jesus Christ himself, the king of kings and the Lord of lords forevermore. What a thankfulness we ought to have. God bless you here today. If you don't know Jesus, come and allow your horn to be filled. Christian, if you're out there and you, there's a lot of spoiled fruit, your cornucopia is collapsing, won't you come back and have it remade?
in forgiveness and in deliverance and the love of God through Jesus Christ. Great opportunity here today. What greater blessing is there? It's to be reunited with God, to be right with God, and to be ready for heaven. To be made perfect in God's sight by your faith. The application of the powerful blood of Christ that makes us white as snow. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for the horn of our salvation. And Father, if we would stop and slow down, we could name a thousand things this week in ways that you blessed us instead of dwelling on the couple of things that beset us, Father. Lord, I just ask you to be with us as we go into the, a time of uncertainty, as we live in a time of uncertainty. Help us to have peace. Renew in us our purpose. Maybe some of us need the, the joy of our salvation renewed in us, Father. I pray today that someone would come, one of your precious creations would come and turn this invitation over a time between you and them to do what needs to be done. Father, thank you for all the things you give us. Help us to live thankfully every day by the way that we love, by the way that we live, by the way that we worship, by the way that we work. Father, I just pray today that you would teach us, that you would forgive us of our many sins, and if there be one lost or one that strayed down the wrong path, that they would come back today, that you would lead and guide them through the Spirit through conviction, and that they might come. Father, thank you so much for the blessings that you give us, the unsearchable riches that you've given us. We're thankful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the services from Calvary Baptist Church. To hear more of this sermon or other past services, please visit our website, calvarybcgainesville.org. 97.5 Glory FM, your family radio station in North Georgia.